Blog Talk Radio. Once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along, and He showed me I was wrong, and He placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near. And in Him so often I confide. Well, He's the keeper of my soul since I gave Him full control. And He placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm I'm on on the winning side. side. Yes, I'm on on the winning side. side. Out in sin, no more will I. back everybody to a voice in the wilderness and tonight's show we're going to skip uh, the news that we usually talk about and uh, we're just going to talk about the Lord talk about uh, Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and talk about how God is on the move in these last days God is going to pour out his spirit and we know that Uh, God desires that none should perish, but that all come to repentance. And uh, even though he desires that, the only people that will come to repentance are those that choose him. And so uh, it's very, very important that we choose him, that we say yes to Jesus and no to the devil, that we walk after the spirit, not after the flesh, And so, um, starting in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, actually verse 27, And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord 
come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So we know that God is going to pour out His Spirit in the last days. And these people are going to be given dreams and visions of of how things will go down, of how the world will collapse, of how catastrophes will happen, of how the end game of all of history will play out. And they will be given the wisdom to know what to do. And we will be given um, a extra dose of, of God's Spirit. And uh, Jesus said that um, even greater things than I did shall ye do because I go to be with my Father. And so because Jesus is with the Father praying for us, we have even more uh, power and ability to do even mightier miracles than Jesus did if we believe in it because Jesus is there praying for us. And so, um, just like in the first Great Awakening in the 1730s and 1740s, before the American Revolution, there will be a great revival, I believe, before um, things really hit the fan, before uh, the tribulation begins, when things are still... Uh, normal when society is still functioning, um, this will happen, and many will be saved, many will be brought to the Lord, many people's eyes will be opened, uh, led by the Spirit, and, um, you know, we haven't had a, a, uh, a big revival in America ever since the early um, 1900s. And I believe much of that has been caused by a lot of false teaching and uh, a lot of uh, Bible versions that have been watered down and uh, mistranslated. And it's really, I think, quenched God's spirit to where we haven't been able to have a big revival. And so... It's very important that we uh, understand that a lot of these uh, Bible versions are very uh, watered down. They've taken uh, key verses out, like 1 John 5-7, dealing with the Trinity. Uh, references to the blood of Christ have been taken out. And so this is, this is very offensive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is very offensive to to God and um, the Spirit of God moves uh, where He feels invited and comfortable, um, and you know the Spirit of God isn't going to come and uh, and uh, <clears throat> fall on a church that is uh, preaching false doctrine and. Um, uh, just living in the flesh, and anyway, so 
we must get back to the basics of the word of the Bible in order for this to happen. And uh, the Lord has had some um, some pretty substantial revival in um, the past uh, number of years through uh, through the internet, through um, men like uh, Paul Bagley, who's uh, a faithful man of God. Um, hundreds of people have gotten saved, probably thousands, uh, from his ministry um, online. And I'm not giving glory to him, just giving glory to God for what God has done through him um, and uh, and other people on the Internet preaching the word. And so God is using this platform uh, for his purpose, for his glory, even though the devil is behind a lot of this technology. And um, so we see that uh, we've seen uh, blood moons in the past few years. There's been cycles of, of blood moons, which is prophetic. It's a sign of God saying, my return is soon. And uh, God's going to, to pour out his spirit. And many people have been getting dreams and visions and prophesying. And uh, if we believe in these things, if we have faith that is possible, then God will bring it to pass in our own lives. Um, if only we have the faith. And uh, there will be a, a great harvest in the last days. And that's one of the things that um, that the church has misunderstood is the pre-tribulation rapture. And that's because if there were a pre-tribulation rapture, if their theory was correct, um, I don't believe that there could be a, um, a great revival in the last days. And the pre-tribbers believe that, um, many of them, that the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth uh, prior to the tribulation, and that's what will cause the great evil to come in. But that is simply not true. That's a, a misunderstanding of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, it's really talking about the restrictor, which um, some say is Michael the archangel, and others say it's the Holy Spirit, which it is not. Um, it is simply um, God's restricting power of him saying that um, the entire world is not going to go into World War III and go into absolute chaos worldwide until it is my time to let it happen. God will not let it happen until the time has come when he has decided that now is the perfect time for this to happen. It's his divinely appointed time for all hell to break loose, basically, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, 
as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So something is withholding this from happening. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. So, mystery of iniquity. It is a spirit of Antichrist that works in the world, around the world, behind the scenes. And they are working on establishing this new world order. But it cannot happen until God's time. And so, it's working behind the scenes. It's already here. The spirit of evil, this mystery of iniquity is already here. But God is restricting it from happening. And once he takes that restriction out of the way, as it says, then it will allow all hell to break loose. And so whether that is simply just God saying it can't happen, or it's Michael the Archangel, or whatever exactly it is, it's simply just saying that these things can't happen until it's God's time. And so no matter how much this mystery of iniquity that's already here, that's already working, tries to create a new world order, tries to bring down America, you know, tries to create a cashless society, tries to get everyone to take the mark of the beast, uh, tries to start World War III, tries to um, kill Christians, tries to do this, tries to do that. And they, they can accomplish much of it, but they can't, they are not allowed to, to run their course and, and accomplish their full plans and purpose until God allows it to happen. And so we could take great comfort in that. And, um, and then it goes on to say that uh, the Antichrist will be revealed and Jesus will come back and absolutely kick his butt, destroy him, throw him into the lake of fire. And, um, of course, we know that will be um, the end of time and it will be a different dispensation at that moment. We will go into the millennial reign for a thousand years and then after that, all of eternity, we will rule and reign and live with Jesus Christ. Um, so anyways, all that to say, um, it can't happen until God allows it. And, um, oh, that's what I was going to say. The reason I brought up this particular scripture is because, um, the false teaching that, um, and many pre-tribbers use this verse to say that he who now letteth will let is the Holy Spirit. They are trying to say, and they will tell you that 
the Holy Spirit will be completely removed from off of the earth during the tribulation. But here's the problem with that. There's no Holy Spirit here on earth. How will anybody get saved for this great last day's revival? It's not possible. It's, it's impossible. The Bible says that the only way a man can be saved is if the Holy Spirit draws him. And so it's just not possible. And then the other idea that um, all the believers are just going to be raptured up to heaven right before things get bad, right before the tribulation, that does not fit in with uh, Joel 2.28 either because um, without any believers here on earth, how will anybody get saved when there's no one to preach the gospel? So um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And so we will be here to preach the gospel and I believe that during those hard times people's hearts will be softened um, it will be really easy to witness to people to, to get people saved because um, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole because when things get really bad when somebody's life is in danger in during the tribulation, in an apocalyptic scenario where somebody doesn't know how much longer they have to live. They don't know if they're going to get shot in the head in the next five seconds because all hell is just completely broken loose. At that point, even an atheist will cry out to God. And that's what happens in a foxhole during war. Um, an atheist will cry out to God even though they don't even know which God they're crying out to or if he's even there or not, they will still try to cry out to God for help because they know that their life is in danger and that they could die at any moment. And so, really, I think that um, the part of the reason that, that Jesus can't just, you know, return right now, take us all to heaven, without there being... Uh, a new world order, an antichrist, a uh, tribulation period, all these horrible things happening, all these catastrophic events, millions and millions of people dying, disease, famine, perplexities, deception, uh, demonic manifestations, absolutely nightmarish, horrible, end time scenarios. And believe me, it will be way more wicked and evil and scary than any of us could probably even imagine. But there's still hope because we have Jesus. And he will he will give us this power from on high because we will need this extra dose of his spirit and this power from on high in order to be able to stand in these last days for with the things that we'll be up against. And so that's the reason why God, I think is going to cause all this horrible stuff to happen is because there will be people that will get saved only because of this, these horrible things happening. Because it will be so horrible that even if they're atheist, even if their heart is completely hardened towards God, it will, it will give them a reason that they will have to cry out to Him. And so even though this stuff seems so horrible, beyond your worst nightmare, it is actually 
God doing it in his mercy because there are people that would not otherwise get saved unless he was to do it this way. So I just had that revelation um, a while ago. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it, it just it just makes the end times make more sense because, um, you know, I've kind of wondered that, you know, why wouldn't God just make it easy? Why wouldn't he just make it not so dramatic and all these people have to die and, and uh, all this horrible stuff has to happen? But God is using the, these things um, to plead with mankind. And it says in the book of, Rep, of Revelation that uh, there, there are those that even when, when the wrath of God is poured out and there's hailstones uh, the size of baseballs pounding them on the head, they still won't repent, even though God is using it as a pleading to plead with them to try to get their attention that he is God Almighty. And at that point, they will not be able to deny that he is God and that he exists and that he is all-powerful. They will know who he is, but they will still, because their hearts are so evil, they will still look up at God and curse him. Even though he's just trying to do it because he knows it's the only way that they might be able to get saved. And so, these things are going to happen, And uh, but before they do, we're going to see a mighty, mighty move of God, because we need His Spirit. We can't, uh, we can't take on the end times with our own strength. Um, you know, even if you are the most amazing, well-prepared uh, prepper, in the whole world, and you have everything figured out on the spiritual side of things, uh, that's not going to save you from the demonic things that are that are going to manifest themselves in the last days from the spiritual warfare. Um, it's just not, not going to do it for you. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, and then it says casting casting down every imagination uh, that exalteth itself above the knowledge of God. So, in order to fight our warfare, in order to do battle in the spiritual realm, we can't do it by any type of carnal means. It has to be done through the Word of God, through prayer and uh, fasting and all of these things because it's it's not carnal it's a it's a spiritual battle and um, and so we have to be ready for it we have to be ready spiritually and uh I think we should we should all want to be in a place in our lives where we have a, a strong relationship with God up until the point 
that he pours out his spirit because if we're having a strong relationship with him, then he'll be able to use us in this coming revival to help save people. And um, it'll be an awesome thing. And, you know, saints throughout the ages have all longed to be able to live in this time, in this day and hour that we're living in now, to see these end-time prophetic events take place before their very eyes. And so we are extremely blessed to live in these times, to be able to be used by God, to be able to see these prophecies unfold, and uh, and to be a part of it all. And so, you know, we, we just keep pressing on. Uh, we keep turning our eyes upon Jesus. And, you know, God is going to use us for this last day's revival if we are walking with him. And it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome just to to experience his spirit being poured out. You know, I just, I can't wait. I think it will be the most fun thing ever that anyone could experience. And, um, you know, like back in the old days, I've heard stories of revivals happening where the Spirit of God would be so strong that when a sailor would sail into, uh, back into the port, that uh, he would be far enough out there coming into the port that he would barely even be able to see that there was a church in town and the spirit of God would move upon a person so strongly that not even knowing what they're doing they would jump off of the boat and swim to shore like seriously a mile two miles to shore to go to church and get saved that is how strongly the spirit of God would be upon people for these revivals and then these revivals would be so strong that people wouldn't just get saved, but the whole town would be changed. And the whorehouses would be shut down. The bars would be shut down. All of the evil and wickedness in a particular city would be completely put out, completely stopped. And the whole entire town would practically get saved and, and be changed. And so when, when we hear about revivals today, you know, maybe a few people get saved, but and, and that's an awesome thing. Maybe a hundred people get saved, or however many. But we're not seeing it as powerful as it used to be to where an entire town gets, would uh, be changed and just be totally transformed. And so uh, that's the type of thing that we're, we're going to be able to see and another reason why this isn't happening, why we're not having these types of revivals, is because men of God, um, or so-called men of God, have watered down the word, and they've they've tamed down their preaching to where it's seeker-friendly. It's it's all about making people feel good, and uh, you know, I'm reminded of Jonathan Edwards during the First Great Awakening. And one of the most 
famous sermons, I think actually the most famous sermon of all time is uh, his sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And more people were saved and brought to Christ from that one sermon than any other sermon ever preached. And the reason it was so powerful is because it was convicting. And he was preaching against sin. He was telling people that they were nothing more than sinners that deserved hell, and that if they didn't repent, they would most assuredly receive hell. And it was just no holds barred, preaching the word, and the Holy Spirit used him in a powerful way. And, uh, you know, people were so scared of going to hell, and they were so convicted, and the Spirit of God was so strong that uh, people were just crying out in fear, wanting, uh, wanting the Lord and wanting to get saved. And, uh, you know, that, that just reminds me of, of another problem that we have in, in today's uh, preaching and teaching is that people have misconstrued and misunderstood and mistaught what the fear of the Lord really is. They try to, um, they try to spin around it. They, they try to twist what it really means. They tell you that it is not a, a true fear, that it's only a reverence, that it's only kind of a respect. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not true. The fear of the Lord is exactly how it sounds. It's fear. It's real fear. And, um, you know, it's not the same kind of fear that the devil brings you where you are totally, you know, stressed out and tormented. It's not, it's not torment, but it is real fear. And it is a real understanding that God can send you to hell and that you need to obey him and you need to follow him and you need to repent or you will go to hell. And that is just not taught anymore. It's all once saved, always saved. And it's so hyper-grace that sin isn't even sin anymore. If it's hyper-grace and you can do whatever you want, then why do they even call it sin? Because they're making it sound like it, nothing is even sinful anymore. Okay, so it's everything is just so twisted these days. And that's that's what I said, you know, the... The Spirit of God, um, I believe, it, it can only move in this very powerful way when we're in alignment with God, when we're when we're preaching His Word uh, according to what it actually says, and we're not twisting it. And um, so. You know the spirit. The spirit of God has been quenched, um, and you know God will not dwell in an unholy temple. And um, the Bible says that he who defiles his temple, um, God shall surely destroy. And so, and we've 
we've grieved the Holy Spirit in this in this country. And uh, when when the Holy Spirit is grieved, um, you know He gets farther and farther away from you. And so that's why it's so important to uh, to live a holy life. And uh, so I'll just uh, finish this out with Second um, Peter chapter three. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. So God is coming back, and he is long-suffering. Um, you know, it, it seems to us like it's taking him forever. But to him, it, it only feels like a moment. And um, also in the book of James, it says that um, God is very patient because he wants 
He is patient because he is waiting for more people to get saved. And so he has, like I said, he has the perfect time where he's going to say, all right, it's over now. Tribulation is going to start. I'm just going to finish it up. I'm just going to allow all hell to break loose. It's going to happen. But before then, he has great patience. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth near. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. So the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth until he received the early and latter rain. So the early rain was the pouring out of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which resulted in many people getting saved. 3,000 were saved that day, and thousands more um, going on as the gospel was spread throughout the world. And the latter rain is coming. We'll know when it's here. And it is another day of Pentecost, another outpouring of God's Spirit with miracles, with signs, speaking in tongues, prophesying, dreams, visions, all that stuff. And um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen pretty soon. Um, I don't know how many how many more years, but it's close. It's, it's very close. And also... It gives us a a good um, reminder here in verse 10 and 11 that our brethren, the prophets, the men of the Old Testament um, are an example of of just how patient and how long-suffering we need to be to be able to endure through hardship. Um, Like the patience of Job. He he endured it all. He endured the worst, um, some of the worst things that any man of God has ever been through. And yet, throughout all his struggles, all his hardships, all his persecution, all the attacks of the devil that were on him, he never once cursed God or charged God foolishly. He never once blamed God for it. He still, he might have complained a little bit, but he he um, he still praised God through it all. And he was such a mighty, um, faithful man of God that when even when the devil came to talk to God in Job chapter one, um, God mentioned his name to the devil. Have you considered my servant Job? Job was such a righteous, godly man that God himself was bragging about Job. So he is probably the most amazing, uh, perfect example for how to patiently endure through hardship and affliction. And then it says, and we have seen... The end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So, God will never put us through anything 
that isn't worth the reward at the end. He doesn't just put us through hard times to kind of mess with us and and just watch us suffer for no reason. He does it so that we can become more like him. We can become better Christians, and he will reward us um, after it is all done. And so... um, as long as we stay on the straight and narrow path and um, live a life filled with with uh, repentance, uh, repenting from our sins, constantly moving away from our sins, and um, I've been reminded recently also that it's, it's very important throughout this life, as hard as life is sometimes, um, as much as the devil tries to attack us, as much as the worries and the cares of this life get us down. It's so important just to praise God, thank Him, have a merry heart, just have the joy of the Lord and just just enjoy His presence. I mean, just, uh, you know, find your, your favorite worship songs and, and just, you know, sometime I just encourage you, just, just find a, a worship song that just gets you really fired up and just you can really feel God's presence and just turn it on in your house and just crank it up and have a good time. Um, just have a good time in the Lord. Enjoy Him. Enjoy His presence. Just just be thankful for Him, all the things He's done, all, all of the joy that He's given you. And just dwell in that. Don't dwell in, in uh, you know, how hard it is being a Christian and and uh, how hard this life is and the circumstances of this life, just just be happy and, and uh, rejoice in the Lord, as the Bible says in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So as long as we, as long as we live there, as long as we stay positive and just keep our minds stayed on God, God will keep us in perfect peace, as it says in Isaiah. Um, uh, God will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So as long as you're not dwelling on the things of this world, not worrying about uh, bad things that could happen to you, but just keeping your mind stayed on God, just constantly um, just dwelling in his presence, just thinking about his word, just soaking it in, just um, just thinking about his word, meditating on his word, like Psalm, like it says in Psalms 1, that he who meditates on God's word day and night, who soaks it in, who who lives by it, he will be blessed. Nothing will be able to shake you as long as you medita- meditate and dwell and just um, live in God's Word. Uh, just soak it in. Read the Bible as much as you can. Even if it's only one verse a day, one chapter a day, you know, start start small. Start with uh, just one verse or one chapter and just build on that. And just read a little bit more as time goes on and a little more. And... Uh, as long as you keep learning about God and learning about the Bible, 
eventually you will have a good understanding of it. As long as you just build one thing on another, learn something else, learn something else new, and just learn a little something else new the next week and the next week and the next day, eventually you'll be surprised at how much you know about the Bible. If you just learn a little bit at a time, just start at the beginning, and even if it takes you five years to read from Genesis to Revelation, just do it. Just make the commitment. Tell yourself, I'm going to get through this no matter how long it takes. And by the time you read through the whole Bible, you might not have a perfect understanding of it all, but you're going to get it a hundred times more than you ever understood it before. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So that's the key right there. Taking your delight in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. And you will bring forth fruit. You will be planted by the Lord. You won't be shaken. And God will, when he uh, takes out the, separates the wheat from the tares, the tares will be blown away like chaff. They won't be able to stand. And you will be firmly planted in the Lord. And you won't be able to be shaken. As long as you live for God, you study his word, believe his word, meditate on his word, and um, he will get you through anything. And so that's uh, that's wraps up tonight's show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Um, like I said, just, just praise the Lord. Just thank him, praise him, rejoice in him, and uh, enjoy his presence. Just tell him how much you love him, and uh, and everything will be all right. And so we look forward to this uh, this mighty move of God in the last days. We don't know exactly when it will be here, but we know that it is coming soon. We see the we see the signs of the end times, and Jesus said, when you see the times the signs um, coming, you know that my return is near. And that these things are going to happen. And like I said, we've seen uh, some blood moons in the past few years. God is telling us it's close. And so I know that uh, God pouring out his spirit is close. He's already starting to do it. I think he's, he's just pouring it out more and more. But we're going to get to a point where it's just going to be like a fire hose. It's just going to be full blast. And so, um, I hope this show blesses you. 
and speaks to you. And uh, just give all the glory to God, all the praise to him. And um, I just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. So we got a uh, a song here to finish it up. And uh, I'll see you next time.
are Lord over all the earth. You are Lord over all the earth. You are Lord over all the earth. You are Lord over all the earth. The Lord our God is. You are Lord over all the earth. You are Lord over all the earth. Until every ear has heard, until every knee bows, he alone is Lord over all the earth. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout of praise tonight. 